Hey, good morning, Hope Church. I am so glad that you guys are here today. I'm all the way over in Nairobi, Kenya. We've had a great week this week. We were able to train over 200 business entrepreneurs that will go out in their cities and create change for their community. We were able to train over 300 pastors from all around the country. They're gonna go back in their communities, encourage and help their cities grow and connect more people to Jesus. But today I'm so excited to introduce to you one of my friends, Clint Nowry. Clint is a great friend, he's a great leader, he's had the opportunity to speak to thousands of young people all across the country. Would you stand to your feet together today and clap for my friend, Clint Nowry. Come on. Hey, y'all, I didn't know he was going to do that. that. That makes me really embarrassed. I am so sorry to make you guys stand up again. Hey, uh, one thing to start, if you're a middle schooler, um, you are dismissed, you can head back. I don't have all the middle schoolers left. No, not yet. That's who we should be clapping for. Let's give it up for our middle schoolers because they're awesome. Thanks for hanging with us this morning. As Wes said, my name is Clint, and I got to tell you, it's really an honor for me to be here. Um, we have been friends with Wes and Diana for a long time, and I couldn't be more excited to be able to hang with you guys today. Uh, to get you started, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, just so you can kind of get to know me and my family. My wife and I and our uh, kids just recently moved down to Melbourne. Anybody know where Melbourne is? Yeah, it's maybe an hour away. We moved down uh, the beginning of the summer. Has anybody moved recently? Raise your hand if you've done that. Anybody moved? Did you enjoy it, or was it, it was just me? It was bad. We, we moved down from Atlanta. My wife grew up in Atlanta. I actually grew up in South Florida, and so when we moved down from Atlanta, it was a big deal. It was a big move for us. We're, you're going to switch it out? Okay. I, do I sound better? Do I sound better with this? Okay. Sorry about that. So we moved down, and I got to tell you, it was stressful. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it was a mess. We moved down, and we had so much going on. In fact, we moved down at the beginning of summer down to Melbourne. Uh, I started a new job, and so we're figuring out new, you know, where the kids going to go to school. We're going to find new friends. Everything felt new for us, and it was, it was scary. It was intimidating, and I'll be honest, it was stressful, and it was frustrating at times. On top of that, we spent the summer with just our clothes, just our suitcases. We didn't move any of our stuff down. We wanted to make sure the job was going to work. You know what I'm saying? Make before we, no, I'm kidding. That was a joke. So we moved down. We lived in Melbourne for three months without any of our stuff. And then we, we drove up in August to get the rest of our stuff. And summer was a really, really busy time. On top of that, uh, my son Silas, who absolutely loves football, he's nine, he's our, he's our middle child. I have Bentley, who's 10. She's a girl. She's the oldest. She's in charge. And then Silas is nine, and the youngest is Leighton, eight. And so Silas decided he wanted to play football. And so we get them all signed up. And after a quick conversation my wife and I had, we're going to sign them up to play football play football and tackle football. And I'm sitting there at his very first practice, tackle football, and I'm thinking, I, I'm a bad dad, okay? I have not prepared him for this. He's not ready. I haven't taught him how to take a hit. I haven't taught him how to hit somebody else. I haven't taught him what boys talk about on the football field. I haven't taught him what to do uh, if his coach yells at him. I haven't taught him, you know, if he gets hurt, he needs to get up and, you know, be tough and be a man and walk it off. I feel like I'm in the middle of all of this, and I'm sitting there at a football practice for nine-year-olds, and I'm just beating myself up. Dads, have you guys been there before? Like, how did I get here? The summer just flew by, and all of a sudden, I became a bad dad, you know? And it was just so busy. Everything was so busy. My wife and I looked at each other at the end of the summer, and we thought, wait, school's starting. Summer's over. This is absolutely crazy. In fact, we're really feeling that now. 
I don't know if you guys realize, Christmas is gone, right? It's come and gone. We have Thanksgiving. We have Christmas. So maybe some of you guys are feeling like, wow, where did all the time go? I don't know if you've felt that. I know I have felt that. Life in general these days is just busy, isn't it? I mean, that's how we all respond. Hey, how you doing? I'm, oof, I'm busy. Hey, what's going, what's going on with you? Everything going well? Yeah, man, just got, just got a lot going on. I'm busy. There's a lot happening. Everything going well with you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm busy. Let me, let me prove it to you. I want you guys to try something this week, okay? Somebody asks you how you're doing. I want you to say, man, I'm doing great. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with 16 hours a day. I, I don't know what to do with all my time, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm bored. I, I'm doing great, but I'm bored, right? You're never, they're going to look at you like you're a unicorn. What's the matter with this guy? There's so much going on. We're all busy. That's just kind of part of our culture these days, isn't it? I don't, I don't know how we got here. It could be the whole FOMO thing. Anybody young enough to know what FOMO is? Yeah, I'm sure you are. Fear of missing out. Where we have this, this fear that we're going to miss something, and so we go, and we go, and we go, and we pack it in, we pack it in. We have so much going on because we're afraid maybe we'll miss something important. It could be an importance thing. It could be the more you have going on in your life, the more important you feel. You know, Somebody wants to hang out with you. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hang out, but I'm busy. I have a lot going on. Maybe, maybe next week, and so we feel important. Maybe, maybe it's a time management thing. Maybe we just, at some point, we didn't learn how to manage our time well. I think for most of us, the fact that we have so much going on is just, we live in a culture today that offers a a lot of good, right? I mean, we live in a culture today when there's so much good going on, so many great options for our kids, so many great things for us to do, so many great options that we just pack our schedule and we're full and we're full and we're full and we don't really ever slow down. And at some point, we're teaching this to our kids, right? I mean, have you guys heard of uh, Gogurt? Everybody know what Gogurt is? Gogurt is the the yogurt that they decided to pack into a tube, okay? And Gogurt, the slogan is, for kids on the go, right? And I'm like, what's going on? We don't have time to have our kids sit at the table with a spoon and eat yogurt out of a bowl, okay? That's what I did when I was a kid. Now they pack it in a tube so you can grab it and eat it on the go, but we're teaching this to our kids, right? We leave one thing early to get to the next thing late, and we're just going, and we're going, and we're going, and we don't ever stop, and we don't ever slow down. And this really can affect us as Christians, too. It can really have a big impact on us as Christians because there's going to be opportunities that God's going to put in our lives. There's going to be things that he puts in front of us where we can make a difference, where where we can make an impact. And our schedule is going to be so full. We have so much going on. There's so much happening that I really fear that Jesus could show up in my life one day and he could say, Clint, I want to hang out with you today. And I'm going to pull my phone out of my pocket. I'm going to say, well, um, it's my birthday in two days. I hope it's good. And, you know, I got spring break coming up, and then Easter's coming. You're probably busy for Easter, right? And so we, ha- we have all this stuff. Uh, how about June 10th? How does that work, right? I mean, I really do fear that we have so much going on in our lives that we could literally have Jesus show up on our doorstep, and we have so much going on that we just roll right past him. We don't even realize it. Wesley's starting this new series. In fact, you guys, as you start the new year, you've been talking about all things new. And this morning, my talk is called New Pace. A new pace. I'm going I'm I'm to challenge you. I'm going to give you guys some things to think about this morning around this idea of your pace, around this idea of what's going on. Because 
over the next season of this church, over the life of this church, and the next weeks and months to come. Wesley's going to challenge you. He's going to give you guys opportunities where you can, you can jump in and serve. You can jump in. You guys are starting two services next week. That's incredible. There's going to be new opportunities, more opportunities, where you can be a part of what's happening here at Hope Church. And when Wesley presents you with those opportunities, you're going to feel a tension between what you think you should do and what your schedule allows. He's going to present you with an opportunity where, man, you could come along and serve kids, and that would be a huge thing. It would be important. You can serve with our students. You can serve here in the band. You can serve running sound. There's so many different ways that you can help. And when he presents you with those things, you're going to feel a tension in your heart because you want to help. You want to be a part of what's going to happen here. But you're going to feel this tension because you have so much going on. We all do. We have so much going on. Are we going to live at a pace? Are we going to live at a, at a schedule that allows us to respond to those opportunities that God puts in our lives? So to look at that this morning, we're going to look at a story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's absolutely incredible. You guys are going to love it. It's a story in Luke chapter 8, and it talks about this. It's a story of incredible faith, but it's also I think a story about our pace. And so to give you some background on this story, it's in Luke chapter 8. If you don't know where Luke chapter 8 is, if you have your Bibles, uh, it's kind of the back third of the Bible. Look for Matthew and then Mark, and then Luke is right after that. And the story takes place in a town called per- Capernaum, okay? It's in, a, it's, a, it's in a northern sea town. And at this point in Jesus' life, he was beginning to build a reputation for himself. People began to realize who he was, Okay? His ministry was rolling. It was starting to build. He, he began to build a reputation. And so when, people, when he came into a town, people started to wonder who he was, and they wanted to find out what this Jesus guy was all about. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. The, verse, the first verse I'm going to read to you is verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. That word expecting him gives us an idea of what's going on, okay? This town had heard of this guy, Jesus, and a crowd is coming together. They have questions for him. They want to see if he's legit. They want to see if he's real. They've heard things about him. Jesus is spending time healing and teaching and preaching. He's starting this ministry. He's busy. There's a lot going on in the story, and this group of people is beginning to expect him. Anywhere Jesus goes, Crowds gather, okay? So if you ever wonder if Jesus understood what it was like to be busy, yeah. Jesus knows busy like you know busy, okay? Let's look at the next verse. So they they returned, Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with Jesus to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying, One of the things I love about these stories in the Bible is it paints such a a real picture. You can picture Jesus and his group of friends, and they're walking into this town. And there's a big crowd that's circling up. And all of a sudden, a man, okay, Jairus, he was a spiritual leader. This was a big deal. There was some pressure on Jesus to get this thing right. He walks up to him, and he says, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter is sick. She's dying. I need you to do something, okay? Pressure is beginning to build, right? You can kind of picture what's going on there. Pressure upon pressure upon pressure. Jesus is busy. He has a lot going on. You can imagine how this father, his little girl's sick. You can imagine in front of all the people that are there, 
how this dad was behaving and how he was acting, right? So we get this picture of Jesus, and he's busy, and he has a lot going on. We'll continue. This girl of about 12 is dying, and Jesus was on his way, and the crowds are almost crushing him, okay? I don't know if you can think of a time when you felt like a crowd was crushing you. Maybe it's uh, Black Friday shopping for some of the ladies. There's a lot going on there. Maybe it's shopping at Publix right before the hurricane. Do you guys remember that? Uh, Unless you got there too late and everything was gone, just cleared out. Uh, It was like that in Melbourne. Was it like that here? You guys get pretty, pretty well cleared out? Sure. Those moments, okay? We went to a concert. My wife and I went to a concert a couple of months ago. It was an incredible concert. We were in this, this room. And maybe the room was about this size, and it was packed. I mean, packed. You literally couldn't move without touching somebody. That's kind of the impression we get here, okay? There's so much going on. The crowds are almost crushing him. There's people everywhere. Let's continue. A woman who uh, was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. A woman was there. And she's sitting, you can picture her, she's sitting on this, on this side of the street in this crowd. And all these people are moving through and this woman's sick. Unfortunately for this woman at that time, that probably meant her husband had left her. Her family had left her. She was bankrupt. She was abandoned. Nobody wanted anything to do with her. Because of what was going on with her, she was considered spiritually sick as well. She must have done something wrong. There was something going on in her life. And so she was an outcast. She was an outcast. She was the most uh, lame there was, the most desperate there was. This woman was sick. She was in a bad way, and she's sitting on the curb, okay? You can picture this. She's sitting on the side of the road, and there's this crowd of people moving through, just barreling through. We'll continue. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, immediately her bleeding stops. So somehow this woman finds a way to sneak through the crowd. And maybe she'd heard about Jesus. Maybe she, she thought, I'll give this a shot. And she touches the edge of Jesus' jacket, okay, his cloak. And she's healed. And we all say, what? Unbelievable. Are you, who is Jesus? What's going on? This is unreal. This woman who's been sick is healed just by touching a piece of his clothing. The faith that that woman must have had to say, if I can just touch him, I don't need to talk to him. I don't need to ask him a question. If I can just touch him, maybe something will happen. What incredible faith, right? This story is absolutely about this woman's faith, but there's something else in this story that I want to point out to you guys that I think can really help us this morning. We're going to continue. Verse 44, I want to read it again. Uh, It says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Immediately, her bleeding stops. Jesus says, who touched me? Now, here's a pro tip. Okay. Anytime Jesus asks a question, anytime there's a question asked in the Bible, Jesus knows everything, right? God knows everything. He's not asking the question because he doesn't know who touched him. There's something else going on. So anytime you see a question in the Bible, stop and say, who's this question for? Jesus stops and he says, 
Who touched me? This is awesome. You guys are going to love this. This is, this is so funny. Jesus says, who touched me? And they all denied it, when they all denied it. So Jesus has his disciples there, they're traveling, and all of a sudden, I don't know if there's like a no touching the Savior policy, everybody's like, I didn't, I don't, I didn't touch you, Jesus, I didn't touch you. Uh, we saw Peter touching people earlier, maybe it was Peter, I, you know, and you can see, you can kind of picture all the disciples are like, ah, it wasn't us, it wasn't us, so they all denied it, right? They all denied it. Peter says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. You can kind of picture Peter, okay? Peter's one of those guys where he just kind of says what he thinks. Anybody have someone in your life that does that? Raise your hand. It's okay. Even if they're sitting next to you, that's okay. Yeah, we have people, a couple, yeah, finger pointers, sure. We have people in our lives who they just kind of say what they think, and that's Peter, right? Peter says, hey, Jesus, are you kidding me? Who touched you? you if you want to know who touched you, we all touched you. Every single one of us has touched you. What are you talking about? And you could kind of sense Peter's frustration here. He's like, who touched you? We're in a crowd. We're pressed up against each other. What do you mean, who touched you? Peter says, after they all denied it, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I know that power has gone out from me. And you kind of picture this moment with Jesus and the disciples, and he says, guys, 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 hold on. You're missing it. You're missing it. I'm not worried about who touched me. I'm worried about the fact that there was somebody that was hurting. There was somebody that was sick, that was close enough to touch me, and not a single one of us realized it. Not a single one of us knew that she was even there. It continues. Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And How cool is this story? How incredible story of faith, yes, but also story of pace. See, you can, you can picture in this moment, you can imagine in this moment where Jesus kind of circles up his guys and he looks at them in the eyes and he knows what's coming. He knows what's right around the corner. He knows that these, are, these guys are going to be healing and they're going to be teaching and they're going to be preaching and they're going to face pressure just like Jesus was facing in that moment where there was, remember, there was a 12-year-old girl who was dying, and they needed to get to her as fast as they could. But in the middle of that, there was somebody that was hurting that was in their presence, and they didn't even realize it. And Jesus knows that the disciples, after he leaves, are going to be faced with that same pressure. There's going to be so much good for them to do. There's going to be so much going on that they're going, to, they're going to feel like they need to do between healing and preaching and starting the church, the same church that, by the way, we're a part of here today. And Jesus circles these guys up, and he looks them in the eyes. And you can imagine this moment where Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, guys, make sure you're moving at the right pace. Make sure you're moving at a pace where, yes, there are things that are going to be important, absolutely. 
There are things that are going to be important, and Jesus knows that these guys are going to do some really important stuff. But there's also going to be people in their lives along the way that need them and that Jesus wants to help. And if these guys aren't careful, they're going to miss it. One of the reasons I think this story is preserved for us today is because Jesus knew that about you too. He knew that there would be a group of people sitting in a room on January 14th, 2018. And he knew that those people would be faced with a tremendous amount of pressure around their schedule. You all have a lot going on. I have a lot going on. Jesus also knew that there would be people in your life that were hurting. Guess who he wants to use to help those people? You. Jesus knew that you would face a tension between your schedule and your pace and what he was going to be doing in the world. And so one of the reasons I believe that that we have the Bible, one of the reasons that this story is preserved is to challenge us to consider no matter what's going on in your life, you don't want to move so fast that there's somebody in your life that's hurting, that's sick, that you don't even realize it. Could be a neighbor, coworker, could be somebody sitting next to you right now this morning. You have no idea. They're hurting. Jesus wants to use you to help them. So how do we get this right? What, what do we do? There's a couple of things that I think I want to I pull out uh, of this story today that I think will be hopefully helpful to you guys. If we're going to partner with Jesus, there's two things that we need to get right. The first one is we need to be available. We need to be available. Somebody says, hey, Clint, do you have a second? It's really easy for us to pull out our phones and say, I got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. We live at a pace where our schedules are go, 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 go. First thing, if we want to partner with Jesus, we have to be, is we have to learn to be available. When somebody says, do you have a second? Do you have a minute? Can we grab coffee? Yeah, I can do it. You're important to me. I'm available. Second thing, if we're going to partner with Jesus, that I think we can pull out of the story today, is that we have to be attentive. Number one, available. Number two, attentive. There's going to be people in our lives that maybe don't have the courage, or they don't have the will to say, I need help. I need help. And so when you look at somebody this week and you say, how you doing? And they say, you know, I'm doing fine. Are you attentive enough? Are you moving at a pace that is slow enough that you can see those subtle bits of need where they're not saying, yeah, man, I'm in a bad way. I need help. But they're saying, you know what? I'm okay. I'm doing fine. Are you attentive enough to what's going on in their lives? Are you available enough to say, I wanna, I'm going to circle up with that person this week. I want to make sure they're doing okay because there's something in their eyes. There's something that I'm sensing. There's something I'm feeling that just doesn't feel right. You know, whether we realize it or not, our pace sends a message to the people that are around us. Your pace is sending a message to the people that are in your life. It's sending a message to your kids, to your spouse, to your coworkers. If you have so much going on, there's people in your life that might need you. There's people in your life that do need you, and your pace is sending them a message. What message is it that you want them to see? This is why... This is so important to us, and this is why I think it's, it's a great time of year for us to consider this 
idea because it is so important. For those of you in the room that say, you know what, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, you would raise your hand and say, I have a relationship with Jesus. Whether you realize it or not, you are God's help strategy for the world. Of all the things going on in the world, and I don't know that any of us would, would say, honestly, you know what, the world, we're in a good spot right now. Everything's good. Everything's going smooth. All the things that are happening in the world, in our country and throughout the world, when God looks down and he says, man, there's a lot happening down there, who do I want to get to help? Who am I going to use to help the people that are hurting? Do you know who he looks at? He looks at you. He looks at me. He looks at us. He looks at the church. That's why this is so important that we get this idea of a new pace right. Because you and I are God's help strategy. And when we get this wrong, it's not that we just miss an opportunity to partner with God. No, it's bigger than that. You guys, you guys know this. When we miss this, it's bigger than just missing an opportunity to partner with God. We can actually cause more harm. Because as followers of Christ, we know that there are people out there that are looking to us. They're looking at us. They say, man, that, that church, Hope Church, they talk about the Bible. They read the Bible. But when I need help, there was, there was nobody around to help me. When I came in and I was hurting, it sure didn't seem like anybody was interested in me. See, when we miss these opportunities to partner with God, when we miss these opportunities to be a part of God's help strategy, we don't just miss the opportunity. We can actually cause more harm. We can actually cause more harm. And some of you know this. Maybe this is why you left church in the past. Maybe you're going to another church and you say, you know what, I need a break. Because those people, the, the, the Christians, the way they act, the, the, the way they talk, it doesn't match the way they live. And so you said, you know what, I just need a break. I gotta, I'm going to walk away from church because they talk one way, but they actually live another way. And when we do that, we can cause so much harm. And so for those of you that walked away, maybe you're back here today and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to re-engage and I'm going to give this another shot. And you've said, if anybody in my life ever needs help, I'm going to get that right. I'm not going to miss that opportunity. Good for you. You should get it right. You know what? We should too. We should get this right. This is so important that we operate and we live at the right pace. And so there's three things I want to talk to you about. How do we get this right? How do we get this right this morning? How can we walk out of here starting a new year, 2018, starting a new week this week? How do we walk out of here and make sure that we get this right? The first one, we have to rethink. We have to rethink. The question I would say is, in your head and your heart, what do you want to be about? Think about that. That's a great conversation to have. Talk to your spouse about it today at lunch. Talk to your kids. Talk to your family. Consider it yourself. Ask yourself this question. What do I want to be about? Who do I want to be this year? In order for us to get our pace right, we have to make sure that we're considering who do we want to be? What do we want to be about? We have to rethink what's going on in our lives, what's important to us, what's valuable to us. Paul talks about this in Ephesians. We're going to put it on the screens for you guys. It's in Ephesians 5. It says, be very careful. It's a warning. Warning. Be careful, guys. Heads up. Heads up. How you live, the way you spend your time, 
the decisions that you make, your pace, not as unwise, but as wise, okay? This is going to take some wisdom. God's going to give you opportunities. Remember what I said earlier. When God looks at the world and he says, who do I want to help? God is going to put opportunities in your life. It's not enough as Christians for us to just pray, God, use me. God, use me. And then our schedule is so full that he's like, where? When? We have to make the most of the opportunities God has promised to put in our lives. He's going to put an opportunity in front of you. Is your pace going to allow it? Because the days are evil. What does that mean? It means it's going to be hard, guys, ladies. This is going to be a challenge. This is going to take wisdom. But God will put opportunities in front of you to help people and to make a difference. Here at Hope Church, in your family, in your community, first thing you have to do is rethink. Who do I want to be about? What do I want to be about? Who do I want to be? Second idea this morning, reset. You have to reset your pace. You have to reset your priorities. Now, I'm hoping Wes doesn't get any emails this week. Hey, Cl- heard Clint's message last week, pulled the kids out of school, uh, sold the house, and we moved to a compound, and we're just kind of in the middle of the state and doing our own thing. That's not the shift I'm talking about here, okay? I'm talking about a minor shift in the, the way we live every single day. We have to reset our pace. When we wake up and put our feet on the floor in the morning, we wake up and we say, God, I want to be attentive to you today. I want to be available for you today. God, I know you're going to put an opportunity in front of me, and I don't want to miss it. Help me to be used by you today. It's a shift in the way that we live. It's a shift in the way that we prioritize and that we think. So we have to rethink. We have to reset. And the, less, the last one may sound a little bit off, but I, I think it fits this morning. It's rest. There are some people in the room this morning, I think you need permission to rest. Somewhere along the way, you, you have equated uh, rest with laziness. Somewhere along the way, you've equated more and more and more with better. And you're teaching that to your kids, and you have that going on in your marriage, and you just need permission to rest. You're like the kid who every time he goes to the toy store, you've you got to buy another toy, another toy, another toy, knowing that it's the next toy that's going to bring you that happiness. And some of you in the room this morning, you schedule your pace in such a way that you have going on, going on, going on, going on. You go, you go, you go. And you hope at the end of the day you can pull something out and say, yeah, this 15 minutes that I spent today, yeah, that, I think that was worth something. I think, that was, I think that's where I got my value today. And some of you just, you need permission to be able to just rest, to slow down. That's what the Sabbath was created for. Yeah, the Sabbath was about worship, absolutely. The Sabbath was about spending time with your, with your family. But Sabbath was also an opportunity that God thought it was really important that every single one of us has a time every week where we can slow down and just rest so that we can be available and attentive the next week for what's going on in the world. Some of you out there this morning like a sinking lifeboat, and you see, maybe you see a need, or you see a friend who needs help, and, and you want to help, and you row up in your sinking lifeboat, and they look at you, and they're like, I'm not getting in your lifeboat. Are you kidding me? Look at that thing. Listen, sinking lifeboats rescue no one. Sinking lifeboats help no one. 
We have to rethink. Who do we want to be about? We have to reset our pace and our priorities, those small shifts of slowing down. Some of us need permission to rest. If there's something I want you guys to remember this morning, it's this idea. It's proper pace creates space. Say that with me. Proper pace creates space. Say it with me. Proper pace creates space. Isn't this who we want to be? Don't we want to be the kind of people that have space in our lives. When we see a need, we can respond. Don't we want to be the kind of church when somebody is in our community, when somebody walks in these doors and they're hurting, that we're available to help them, that we're attentive enough to see that there's something going on. I'll tell you this, I know I do. I want to be that kind of dad. I want to be the kind of dad that knows when my little girl comes home from school that she didn't have a good day, and I can see it in her face. I want to be the kind of husband that knows that there's something going on with my wife. She's, there's something she's wrestling with. There's something she's struggling with, and I'm going to ask her about it. I want to be that kind of son. I want to be that kind of friend. I want to be that kind of pastor. Don't you? We do, don't we? We want to be the kind of people who are available, that God uses. We want to be the kind of people that are attentive, that we can see what's going on. And we have the space in our lives to respond. I know you want that. I want that too. There's three ways that we can do that this morning. Rethink what's important to you. Have that conversation with your family. Have that conversation with yourself. Reset. If something doesn't line up, have the courage to hit the reset button. The last one is to rest. Take some time to recover so that you can be ready to respond when God puts an opportunity in front of you. Because God will put an opportunity in front of you. He promises to do that every single day. He will put an opportunity in front of you where you can help somebody. There's somebody in your life that's like that woman who was sick, and they need you. Here's the cool thing. God wants to use you to help them. It's going to be up to you how you respond to them.